Good morning. It truly is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Brother Nate, Sister Erica, for being a family. Thank you, Praise Team, for ushering in this holy space. This is holy ground. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Cyrus. Thank you to Brother Nate, Sister Angela, for all that serve. You give and you give and you give unselfishly and I'm honored to serve alongside you. Uh, so my name is Catherine and uh, I will be here to present today's word. I have to say hello to my online family. Hello from all over the states. We welcome you into this space. We thank you for joining us and we love you so much. So we're going to open up in a word of prayer. Holy God, You've been sovereign. You've been the creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it. You spoke a word a long time ago, and that word is still coming into fruition to this day. We bless your name, Father God, that your word is living. Let your word go forth in this space. Prepare our hearts as fertile soil to receive the seeds of blessing, encouragement, comfort, strength. Your believers have gathered today to not hear me, Lord, but to hear you. So remove me, Father. Let what comes out be only your Holy Spirit, so have your way in this place. It is in your precious Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, let's get this started. There are three kinds of people in life. Those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what happened. So the first kind of people, they apply lessons and learning to make change. The second kind of people, they're open to learning. But the third kind of people, they don't care. They don't even know what happened. So my prayer today is that there's something in this lesson that you can take away and apply in your lives. So in today's presentation, uh, I would like to present the expository and then I'll present the homiletics of scripture. And really what that says is I'm going to focus on the morally instructive nature of the selected passage. So rather than try and scare you, I'd like to persuade you into what the gospel truly is. Uh, so the title of my message today is Don't Waste Your Testimony. Now, if we were one of those high-five churches and you tap your neighbor and you know, we do all that, but I think this is a good exercise to try it out today, Pastor, right? So on the count of three, I'd like you to repeat it with me. One, two, three. Don't waste your testimony. See, that was pretty easy. Okay, we got that. Thank you for indulging with me. That was pretty cool. So first, I'd like to explain what a testimony is. Uh, in Latin, it means testis, to bear witness or to make a statement based on personal knowledge or belief, to serve as evidence or proof, or to express a conviction. So in this presentation, simply put, it's going to be uh, a testimony is what your story is. What has God done for you and how has he shown you mercy and goodness? So similar to an epic story with a beginning, middle, and end, a testimony has three parts. It has your life before, the transformation, 
and uh, your life as a result of the change? Where, how has Jesus changed you? So the three points that I'd like to cover today. Point number one, we learn more in our valley experiences than our mountaintops. Point number two, we were never called to walk out our faith alone. And number three, God can mold us into vessels for his kingdom. Point number one, we learn more in our valley experiences than our mountaintops. Uh, so in the reading of scripture, chapter uh, nine, verse one, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given unto your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each human being too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. God removed every barrier, every wall, every foothold. So I'm going to give a brief explanation of the literal translation of what this word would say. So in this chapter, we have an account of God's blessing over Noah and his sons. They have just come out of the ark with the renewal of the blessing to propagate their species and replenish the earth. You'll see there is dominion over creatures and freedom from the fear of them with liberty to eat flesh, only it must not be eaten with blood in it. And there's the providential care and preservation of their lives from men and beasts by making a law that man or beast should die that sheds man's blood. And then God repeats the blessing, the procreation, and then we'll read next of the covenant of God uh, that he makes with Noah and his sons. So I guess I'll, I'll first pose the first question. Has there ever been a time in your life where God showed you no walls? Where God removed every barrier? Where you didn't have any ground to stand on? Imagine experiencing the rain for 40 days and 40 nights and then seeing the world wiped away to extinction by water. All living creatures, all the humans that you previously knew were all gone, just disappeared. And then imagine stepping out of the boat, first looking around because we've been living in an ark for over a year and then you're stepping onto solid ground. But remember, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. And then once they were inside, the rain begins, the storms, the waters rise, it floods, they float, they're still in the boat, but they have to perch on a mountain peak to even remember that there's ground, there's land underneath them. 
So obedience always brings blessing. The reference for this scripture is 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 10. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God, God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the, the, the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who was, just, who was destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So, beloved, we're all descendants of Noah. Look at his testimony. Humanity in any form of civilization is gone, but God kept solid ground. Uh, so recently I rededicated my life to Christ and I was baptized Hallelujah. and it was me uh, and three young girls all around the age of 10 <laughs> and so I asked pastor, I said pastor can I go first you know I'm oldest, I'm thinking I have seniority <laughs> he said no, but he said something profound he said they're watching you I kept thinking wow in my mind I'm thinking it's, it's such a, a wonderful thing to be young and and, you know, dedicate your life to Christ when you're still skipping and jumping and, right. and having such energy. But it, the older you get in life, when you get bruised up and you get banged up and yeah. some things have happened to you, I had to recognize that God was my rock that I needed to stand on. Yeah. That maybe each one of us, and I had to say this obviously, we all will come to Christ in a different way. Some of us young, some of us old, some of us sober, some of us not. But as long as you recognize your need for a Savior, you are in the right place. Point number two, we were never called to walk out our faith alone. God blesses them, God blesses us. Noah and family. That bears repeating. Noah and family. They surrendered everything. God bless them. What a testimony to know that you don't do this alone. Yeah. Sister Erica, we don't have to yeah. walk this alone. Yeah. God's covenant that was said to Noah in Genesis 8. Everything that God had said came to pass. Everything. God does not lie. He keeps his word. Yeah. We can trust yeah. his promises. Yeah. We may be born alone. And in some instances, we may die alone. But in the time of life, we will not always be alone. We will have others around us to remind us of God's goodness, of his mercy, to discover that within each deep relationship, we are brought closer to ourselves, that others help us to gain a personal strength, and in turn, it makes it more possible to face that storm, to handle the flood. And let me make another obvious statement. Some people will not go with you into the next season. There will be some people that fall off when you enter into that ark. And you're not going to go back. 
Imagine that Noah is grieving in the ark. He's grieving not just his homeland, his family, his friends, all the things that he used to know. Because God is going to take him somewhere that's just, it's not where it was before. So have you ever grieved a relationship? Have you ever lost a friendship? But we have to be obedient and allow God to live his life in and through us. So, did anyone see the super bloom that happened? Okay, well, the recent <laughs> rain season uh, that just happened this past uh, winter into early spring had caused dormant seeds to super bloom. Uh, and this phenomenon could actually be seen from outer space. And so, the super bloom is this natural wonder and breathtaking display of wildflowers. We're talking fields of, of all kinds of colors orange poppies purple skyline pines, hillside daisies, gold field, blue-eyed grass. And it got me to thinking, you know, when one seed blooms, it becomes part of this dancing field, this super bloom of poppy seeds that can be seen from outer space. So, beloved, when we walk out faith, the lessons are here. You've got to manage your seasons well. You've got to manage your insecurities. You've got to be afraid not to fail. Get a team on your side. Get five smooth stones. Someone gave that to me the other day. I said, wow. Remember that your weapon is your praise. Noah's worship and praise preceded the blessing. You know, we need to see each other worship. We need to see each other pray. We need to see each other go through life so that we understand how to endure well. So I have this saying that goes, um, you know, I could use a testimony every once in a while. <laughs> it helps to get me through. There are times where I need to hear someone else's testimony so that I can understand what God has blessed you with so you can help me. Now, I believe it's safe to assume that in this very room we have survivors. Someone who has survived something catastrophic, something that was life-threatening, something that, that could have possibly taken your life away. And you can't help but share how God blessed you through. I remember the testimonies that have been shared in this room, right here in this space, on this holy ground. I don't need to name names, but Sister Edda, I remember that testimony. I remember who you shared. Sister Eddie, I remember your testimony. Sister Ann, I remember those testimonies. I remember, I'll never forget the day Pastor Budget gave his testimony over there in that other space. Never, never forget. And you know, Pastor Mark, he has the courage to get up here every Sunday and bear his heart and give his testimony on the goodness of God. So let me remind you, there's a testimony sitting right next to you. Come on, There's gold in this room. There are rubies in this room. There are pearls and emeralds in this space. So share it, beloved. And Jesus said, don't store up your treasure on earth. Store it up in heaven. So in my studies, I had to revisit uh, Matthew 8. Thank you, sweetie. Luke 8 and Mark 5. And this is the story uh, when Jesus restores the demon-possessed man. Now, if you've read your Bible, 
uh, Mark has the more detailed account of this miracle. So in this scenario, Jesus and the disciples, they had just gotten off the boat. They had just witnessed Jesus calm the storm. He rebuked the wind. He calmed the raging seas. And he asked the disciples, where is your faith? They step onto solid ground. And the man, there's a man chained in the tombs, not living in a house with no clothes on. And the Bible says in Mark 5, 5, night and day among the tombs. And in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Jesus commands the demons to flee into a herd of pigs. And they go. The man is free. He sits up in his right mind. He puts on his clothes. And some people in the town, they just couldn't believe it. But here in verse 18 through 20, it reads, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away. He began, he began to tell in the, Deca, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for, them, for him, and all the people were amazed. Beloved, when the Lord saves you from something, you must tell someone. Listening to God is essential to walking with God, so each one of us carry his image. And if each one of us carry his image, we are to speak to one another. We are to speak our testimony to one another. The life lessons that God gave brought me to joy. God gave me his peace. God saved me from something real. So there's this quote from the little prince that says, It is only with the heart that one sees brightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. So it's something that lives in you, in us. And the song goes, even when you can't see it, it's working. Even when you can't feel it, it's working. God is always working. He never stops working. Faith is believing in what the environment doesn't reflect. But our faith, our belief, our praise is to reflect what God will do. You will hear it before you see it. When God said, God's giving his word, your eyes are closed until you see it in the atmosphere. So beloved, pray through it because God tells us what everything God tells us he delivers. So one of my favorite chapters in, in the Bible is Isaiah 40. And it's comfort for God's people. Verse 28 through 31 reads, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Beloved, there's power in your story. There's power in your testimony. 
Uh, point number three, God can mold us into useful vessels for his kingdom. So there's this uh, something called kintsugi art. And it's a centuries-old Japanese style of art where broken pottery is repaired with inlays of gold. They call it the art of precious scars. And with this technique, the scars become what to exhibit by creating different stories of beauty. So for the Japanese, it becomes this broader philosophy of embracing the beauty of human flaws. The spirit of Kintsugi, it's, it's also about forgiveness. It's about the practice of self-love. Accepting your cracks means being accepting and loving toward yourself. You must forgive yourself first before you are capable of forgiving another. Uh, so let me give you another example. The book of Acts is, is full of testimony. And Paul, he was sent to testify all throughout that book. And so for two years, Paul is imprisoned. He is actually set before governors and kings as a political pawn. But he still declares the goodness of God. So in chapter 26, verse 29 through 30, Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man has not done anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Beloved, God calls us to witness. We have to witness to others first that he is, he is first, he is foundational, that he is good. And look at how this translates. Life will take you through some things, but we have to have courage to, to witness in the face of, of indifference. We have to have courage to witness in the storm, in the pain. We have to have courage to witness through the diagnosis, through the financial distress, through whatever flood you may be dealing with. And let me make another obvious statement. Treat people lightly, even when they treat you wrongly. So, Brother Nate, I, I haven't shared this with you privately, so I'd like to share this with you publicly. We do our Easter reflection. And this past Easter reflection, you shared a story about your father and how your father, your, your, your natural father, gave you the legacy of having the eternal father. And so that sat with me. And if, I'm going to shameless plug. If you guys have never done the reflection services, show up. They are an extreme blessing. Uh, so I was raised in two churches. My father, he was a Southern Baptist. My mother, he, my mother she was a, a Roman Catholic. Uh, but I just love the Southern Baptist Church. I love, they would sing in the choir. Uh, sometimes if somebody catches the Holy Spirit, somebody would do a lap. And I was always entertained by it. <laughs> to me, it was fun. Uh, but also growing up, I, I grew up in parochial school, so I got a lot of church early on. And so t towards my teenage years, I was a little rebellious, and I became uh, a wild child. I don't know if y'all know that term, but another way to say it is I was a professional sinner. That was a season at that time in my life. And so uh, my father passed away in May of 2004. So it's almost been, for us and our family, almost 20 years that we've lost him. Yeah. And... Uh, one of the last things my father told me is, you know, God's going to take something away from you. 
and you're going to have to figure out what to do with life. And I didn't really know it at the time what he was saying, but the next morning, we were waiting on a phone call, and I was sitting in the sunroom, just, just reflecting, letting the sun hit my face, and this, this warmth of the Spirit came over me, and it just said, everything's going to be all right. And what I remember is that, you know, when God takes away my earthly father, I have my heavenly father. When God takes away something from you, he becomes first. When God takes away something from you, he gives you the foundation to stand on. If God takes something away from you, whether it's whatever it is, a family member, a beloved one, God becomes your father. God becomes your mother. God becomes your, your healer. He becomes your provider. And I had to really learn what, they, what that song says, when God is my everything. He is my all in all. So every battle that I fought on my knees, I won. Trusting God means looking beyond what I can see to what God sees. And those dark moments of life, they only last so long as necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Because our past is not what we choose. So in closing, beloved, be fruitful and multiply. That is the decree from God. It's an official order from the creator of heaven and earth that we are to increase. His spirit is to increase. This mandate of heaven is to not waste your testimony. So my last slide. Thank you. Uh, these are just some, some, some tips I'd like to leave you with. Remember where you started from. Go back to where you first believed. Share. Share openly. Share privately. Share publicly. Be real. Be you. Know who you are at your core. Examine that person. And beloved, endure well. Suffer well. Go through hardships well. Honor vulnerability. Honor that safe space. And if you feel unsafe, back off. But when the safe space is there, you can be truthful. Focus on your vertical to live in alignment with Christ. That's the most important. And lastly, return to joy. Don't allow people to know you're the only one. We all have issues. As children of a sovereign God, we are not victims of our circumstance because God does not make mistakes. God has chosen trials and tribulations to grow his people. So don't waste your pain. Embrace all of you and stop running from your testimony. So let us pray. Dear God, your word has gone forth. Your word has been received on this fertile ground. Let it be planted deep, Lord God, that in your time it will super bloom. It will become something part of a field that can be seen from heaven. We thank you, Lord God, that even when we can't see it, we know you're working and we will trust you beyond what we can see into what you see, that you reflect what we need to see, Lord God, and help us, help us in these dark moments. There may be someone that's in the ark that's still floating in the flood. Lord God, we ask that you be with them, comfort them, encourage them, give them strength 
to endure well, Lord God. And when you command the gates to open, your blessing is there. We thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to worship and to praise you openly without shame. We love you so very much, but we know you love us more. It is in your precious Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, God is amazing. God is amazing. And real briefly, um, so I was trying to get myself together. Um, Outside of my work, I do something called restorative justice that focuses on getting to the root issue of a problem. And this past week, um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had the privilege to work with a hurting organization, a hurting organization, and in dealing with sort of supporting this hurting organization, we did a three-day intensive workshop where I opened up space, inviting them to explore their hurt, their pain, their resentment. And God has, and he's, as he has deployed me into this work, my prayer has been, God, how do I, how do I display you? How do I embody you? Because at the end of these workshops, at the, at the end of the day, they need you. So one of the employees began to, to share. And I had to bring something of importance and talk about their why. Why are they doing this work? And as she shared her testimony, hallelujah, she said, I don't want to offend anybody here, but one of the things that we invite people to do this, to invite the whole person into space. And many of us know as professionals, we tend to leave parts of ourselves outside because we have to show up professionally. And she said, as I've been working here for 16 years, 16 years, I've had to leave the part of me, the most valuable part of me outside. Yeah. And that is the part of Jesus Christ. So it reminded me that, Lord, how do I invite you into these spaces? If organizations want to see transformation, if they want to see growth, they need you. And God reminded me, 